0: What up guys your boy Quake back with a brand new episode of the diverse mentality podcast number 205 and boy do we got something crazy to start out this episode this has been something that has happened a long time ago in 1996 and there hasn't been a closing in this at all if you guys don't know what I'm talking about I'm talking about Tupac's murder There hasn't been an official closing on this. There's been rumors of who did this, who did that, why it happened, so on and so forth. But it looks like the Las Vegas Police Department is closing in on this. And, man, this is exciting and crazy at the same time. But a lot of people kind of already knew who it was based off of all the reports. And that's the thing with this Tupac. You know, when you guys asked me to do the Tupac versus Biggie documentary... I realize there's only one approach to this and the approach to doing that would be getting every single person's side of the story because there's so much he said, she said in anything relating to Tupac and anything relating to Biggie because it happened so long ago where there was less cameras, less witnesses, less everything. So now you just got people. And then a lot of these interviews that happen, mind you, they're happening 20 years later, 25 years later. Of when these incidents happened, so a lot of people, you know, they try to recall what happened in those times. But you gotta think, man. I'm I'm not even thirty years old. Let's just let's just say, I'm um, you know, I ended up becoming, you know, let's just say, sixty years when I become sixty years old. Somebody tries to get me to recall something that I did when I was thirty years old. It's gonna be very hard to remember that. I barely remember what the fuck I did yesterday. Let alone try to remember something in pretty good detail thirty years ago. It's very hard to do that. Um, so, a lot of he said, he said, she said in the Tupac and Biggie stories. But in this Tupac shooting, there was evidence. Obviously, there was uh, speculation. There was detectives going in on this. Uh, retired police officers breaking down what happened. Uh, you know, fire, uh, fire. Uh, what's what's uh, ambulances and fire departments that showed up at the time, remembering what happened. Uh, recalling, trying to think, oh, this happened, this happened. And ultimately, throughout the years, people have been saying that it was Orlando Anderson that killed Tupac. That's the the general thesis. That's the general statement that everybody has said that it was Orlando Anderson because Orlando Anderson is the one that got jumped way back in 96 at Mike Tyson's uh, fight, you know, uh, during like the casino area, I think, in the lobby, something like that. Um, but... Just recently, something happened that was surprising to a lot of people. You know, um, let's go over the article. Las Vegas police have executed a search warrant in connection to Tupac's death. Yes, search warrant. We're talking, I don't know how many more years later, let's say. So in 2006, it would be 10, 2016, it would be 20, 2026 it would be 30. So you're looking at 27 years later. 27 years later. Uh, let's go with the article. Tupac's murder may be finally on its way to getting solved as Las Vegas police have served a search warrant at a home in connection with the 1996 shooting. According to local fi- fo- a local Fox 5 station in Las Vegas, the LVMPD made entry into an unspecified home on Tuesday, July 18th. No, No, no further details have been released as of press time. This is a developing story. Well, you know, course when this came out was on tuesday well today is wednesday as of this recording so they are they have released a little bit more information and according to uh the the eight eight news now the search warrant home is that of keefe d well it's actually keefe d's wife uh And they're saying the cops are looking into KPD's wife's home. And according to 8 News Now, the search warrant executed on property in Henderson, Nevada on Monday, July 17th, involved KPD, the former gang member and uncle of Pac's alleged killer, Orlando Anderson. Police reportedly searched the home for personal notes, photos, and other documents related to the rapper's death, although it's unclear if they retrieved any items of interest. Residents at the address declined to comment. one person reportedly threatened a reporter and photographer that things would escalate if they did not leave. Uh, according to TMZ, the home that police searched belongs to a woman named Paula Clemens, who is the wife of Keefe D., which can be seen below. Uh, so there is SWAT that pulled up like big ass, you know, tanks, trucks uh, at night too, seemingly at night. So uh, we don't know. We don't know why, you know, they're they're in there, but. Here's the thing, man. Police don't move unless they're sure that, you know, hey, we got something here. This is it. And this is, you know, the closing case to this. Now, this could be multiple things. This could be them going in. Because mind you, the Las Vegas Police Department hasn't said a single word as of the recording of this podcast right now. I want to say that very clear. Because tomorrow when this podcast comes out, there could be more information. But as of the recording right now, the L Las Vegas Police. I keep wanting to say LAPD for some reason because I'm just used to saying Los Los Angeles. But Las Vegas Police Department haven't said a single word as to why they even went into that home. You know, it could be related to something totally different that KPD has going on because he was involved in the streets. He's been tied to a lot of things, so it could not be anything related to Tupac. But they're they're they're. Everybody's pointed towards Tupac because, obviously, that's the biggest the biggest thing. And, you know, that's what mostly people are going to know. So if you don't know who KPD is, he's been in the streets for a while. He's been involved in a lot of hip-hop stories. And he, was, he revealed himself that he was in the car the night that Tupac got killed. He was in the car that was shooting at Tupac. Now, uh, he's saying he was in the passenger seat, the front passenger seat of the car. Uh, Orlando Anderson was in the back. And then the other guy's name, which I forget. Um uh, what's his name, man? I wish I remembered everybody's name. But the other guy that was there, there was another guy in the backseat, and obviously the driver. Kefi D, what people don't realize is he admitted to being in the car and admitted to being in a shooting shooting of the car and admitted to having something to do with Pox killing back in 2009 to uh detectives. But he did, you know, they they did they had an agreement that if he admitted to it, that he wouldn't get incriminated for it. So uh, they couldn't really do anything with the information. They just wanted him to tell the story straight up of what happened. And they couldn't incriminate him for that. So that happened in 2009. A lot of people didn't know about it, though. It wasn't really like anything major or huge. But then KPD started in, you can say, 2017, started doing interviews with like Vlad TV and all these other different media outlets. And slowly started kind of bragging that he had a role in Tupac's killing Just say that, you know, that, Hey, you know, I, I, a lot of people say I'm just in the car, but I kind of, you know, had a little bit more to do with it. You can tell in a lot of the interviews, he's kind of, he's kind of revealing more and more information about things. And yeah, man, it's a dumb move to do because now look what's happening. You know, the Las Vegas police department have probably been keeping an eye on KPD the whole time. And watching every single interview he's been doing he just had a recent interview with uh, i believe the art of dialogue shout out to them um recently like a month ago even with vlad tv like probably two months ago he had one with vlad tv as well and he's talking more and more about the tupac shooting which is the dumbest thing you can do you know you're 60 years old you know man you don't want to you don't end up going to prison for something that happened that long ago and especially being that old and going to prison. It's just it's not worth it. I mean, your freedom's way better. He even wrote a book about it. So he's trying to like get clout and cash in on everything that that happened a while ago. Because he's the only one out of the four people in that car that was shooting at Tupac that is still alive. Orlando Anderson got killed, uh, to a gang related thing that had nothing to do with Tupac in nineteen ninety eight, I believe. Maybe ninety nine. Yeah, nineteen ninety eight he died. Uh, and then the other two guys as well passed away. So uh, he's the only one that's alive besides Suge Knight, but Suge Knight was in the actual car that was getting shot at. Um, he's the only one that's alive that could actually, you know, be like, Hey, this is what happened the story. So there is a death row Chronicles, uh, BET documentary where they ask him, Hey, like who, who's the one that shot him? Uh, you know, in the backseat. Cause, cause Keefe D has always revealed that it was somebody in the back seat that shot. And it was Orlando Anderson and the other guy, I forget his name um he always said that it was somebody in the back seat that shot uh tupac so let me see let me actually see if i can play this a little bit without getting copyright yeah so right here to ask him I'm play a little bit of this so you guys can hear this very interesting you said the shots came from the back big dre orlando who shot tupac Keep it for the code of the streets. It just came from the backseat, bro. He got asked, is it Big Dre or Orlando Anderson who shot Tupac in the back? And he simply responded with a little smirk on his face, going to keep it for the code of the streets. It just came from the backseat, bro. So, I I, I don't know why, man. The way Keefe D is, answers a lot of these questions when you watch these interviews, it makes me feel like he's the one that actually shot Tupac. Because here's some new information that came out. I don't know if this is very new information, but I know I heard about it recently, so I don't know how how new information it is. But one of the witnesses during the night of Tupac's murder said that the hand that came out and shot was wasn't a slim hand because Orlando Anderson was a very slim person. It was a lot, you know, fat as a thicker hand that came out. D is a pretty 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 thick guy, so his hand. I, I could totally see from the passenger seat him shooting because he wasn't driving. So, um, I, I, I don't know, man, I got this weird feeling that it was Keefe D that did it. And Orlando Anderson is kind of getting the blame for it because he died. So you can't really investigate somebody that's already dead. You know, there's nothing they can prosecute on that. So Keefe D's kind of just like, yeah, he's like doing these interviews and kind of like slowly telling us that like, Hey man, it's kind of me, but it's just, I'm going to point it to Orlando Anderson because I don't want no issues. That's the vibe that I'm getting. I'm not saying he did it. I'm not, you know, unless the Las Vegas Police Department confirm it. You know, it's all allegedly at this point. So, yeah, it's a crazy, crazy story, man. It still baffles a lot of people. It's still interesting to a lot of people. The story is still interesting when it comes to Tupac and Biggie. Uh, You know, there's so many different things that could have gone on at the time that would have made Tupac still be alive today, like had certain things happened and there's so many different stories. That's what I'm saying. This is why the Tupac versus Biggie documentary, whenever I do start to do that, it's going to take me forever because there's so many different stories that you got to tie and get every person's, you know, point of view and, you know, side of the story, because you don't know who's telling the truth and who's not. It's so mixed up at this point. Um, You know, there was a story that, you know, when, when, when uh, even Keefe D said this, that when Pac, when they were shooting Pac, tried to get in the backseat of the car. And that's where a lot of the bullets hit him, you know. And uh, that's why he died, because had he just stayed low, that he probably would have still been alive. But even here's the thing. So, um, even when Pac was in the hospital, basically on life support, uh, they got rid of, like, a lung. He was missing, like, one whole lung. They got rid of, like, a finger. Uh, his head was swollen up. Like, they revealed so many details that, like, Pac was like barely surviving that had he survived through this, he wouldn't have a lung. He wouldn't be able to rap anymore. Uh, You know, he'd be missing a finger, uh, you know, and I think Pac's mom, you know, took him off life support because she said that this is what, you know, a lot of people have said that she said that he, Pac is a prideful person. He just wouldn't be able to live his life, you know, the way he would want to have had he survived that. So, you know, a lot of people say, had he survived that, you know, he'd have been good and fine. Nah, man, a lot of people forget that when you get shot, there's a lot of things that go wrong and you could never be the same as you once were. And that's the same thing with Nipsey Hussle. When he got shot, you know, the first bullet hit his spine. So that means immediately, had he survived that, he would never be able to walk again. So that's a whole different Nipsey Hussle at that point. You know, i um, not saying that he can't perform and be a rapper anymore, but, you know, being a wheelchair versus being able to walk. With technology the way it's going now, you're gonna be able to walk. You know, people that are uh handicapped are gonna be able to walk again. So Nipsey would have been able to walk probably the next ten years, but it would have been a totally different Nipsey hustle had he survived that. So a lot of people forget that. When people get shot, it could go completely wrong. And Pac having one lung, a missing finger, uh, who knows what else? I forget what else was mentioned there, but you know, he, he apparently was gonna lose his voice. So you know, it would have been a, uh, it would have been very, very uh very very different type of pox so i'm gonna keep my eye out on a lot of this uh this is obviously huge news and the las vegas police department is definitely gonna gonna you know speak to this and say something because this is like catching headlines everywhere right now it's like the biggest one of the biggest stories that's out right now so hey man if they close this case you know and finally hey say hey orlando anderson or keefe did it and if, if they say Keefe did it. He's getting locked up for a long time. So, um, the Greg Kading, who's a, a retired uh, Vegas PD, uh, he, um, you know, he's the one that kind of broke down a lot of this Biggie and Pac thing. Uh, he said quite a few things. He said Kading said that uh, Keefe first confessed way back in 2009 during a police interview conducted by Kading. He says they struck a deal with Keefe, so they couldn't use the info. Uh, He provided to prosecute him, but he says that deal went out the window the moment Keefe started telling his story in public. So that whole deal flew out the window. I don't think even Keefe knew that, that the second he started telling his story in public, that he's no longer protected from that. So Kennings expects Keefe still thinks he's safe from prosecution, but but the fact cops now appear to be zeroing in on him, or at least his loved ones will probably make him realize he's mistaken. As for why Vegas cops are jumping on this now, Kading tells us they might have been working on this in recent years and only now have all the pieces lined up to prosecute someone. You guys also have to remember, in order to prosecute someone, you need solid evidence. So they're probably just waiting for Keefe D to keep doing interviews, keep doing interviews, reveal more and more details, because each interviewer was asking slightly different questions and it started to make Keefe D answer slightly different ways. Um, I think uh, Vlad mentioned that, like, Mike Tyson wants to go in the room and fight the person that, uh, shot and killed Tupac. And you can see kind of D, you know, like act like he's talking about him. You know, he's like, I can box, you know, I can fight too. So, you know, uh, that's kind of weird. You know, if, if, if if you, if you saw, if you kind of, you know, say that, Hey, it was Orlando Anderson or the other person in the backseat, then, you know, you wouldn't kind of be defensive like that, but, and he is defensive towards like Orlando Anderson as he should be. That's you know, that's that's his cousin. But he was like, He's a baby, he got jumped by all these people, he's just a baby, you know. You shouldn't have gotten jumped. So uh this whole thing is crazy, man. Um I do think the Las Vegas police wouldn't be moving had they not they not connected the pieces. So we're gonna start getting a lot of interesting information about this. So we'll keep our eye on this. Uh crazy, crazy, crazy. King Vaughn, this is a very, very interesting video that came out years after King Vaughn has passed. King Vaughn passed away in November 2020. This is a body cam footage of a police officer in prison with King Vaughn. And this was shot in 2017, right before King Vaughn started to really blow up. And in this uh, footage, King Vaughn tells the guards, the correctional officers, that he wants... Protective custody because he's gay. So, a lot of people are thrown out and confused by this. They're like, "What's going on?" I didn't know King Von was gay. So on and so forth. It's basically a tactic to get yourself out of the ops's you know area because you know if you're undermanned in prison, you go in the ops area, you're gonna get damn near killed. So, he probably saw that that there's a bunch of ops in the section that he was going in. Told the police, "Hey, I'm gay." They're probably going to attack me for being gay. So I want protective custody. And that's where they transfer him somewhere else. So it's a kind of like a, a tactic game that, you know, people in prison play. Uh, and a lot of people were clowning King Von for it, even though he's passed away. Like, this is stupid. I don't understand the whole, like, you know, the guy's passed away. Let the guy rest in peace already. So many stories and stuff coming out about this guy. Um, so people were clowning him. And then literally, like, a day later after this clowning, video footage came out of him beating the shit out of somebody in prison. Like he was handcuffed, he went to his home, he somehow got the handcuffs off him or finessed him in some way and then beat beat that guy's ass in prison. So it's clear that King Von, you know, was really about that shit. So let's play the clip of the footage that came out where he tells the guards he wants protective custody because he's gay. Where's the plumber at, in there? It's the only yeah, guy I've been on this. Got a problem, baby. They're supposed to be a crisp duck, but they got a problem with gay people. How you gonna be Chris. So because of your sexual orientation, you're requesting protective custody, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Bye, Josh. I'm going to fuck you, too. They trying to let me suck, they did. So, you know, a lot of people were clowning him for it, saying this is, you know, weird, blah, 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 being homophobic. I don't really see, I can, I understand. I'm not, I've never been to prison. I'm not a gang guy, none of that shit. So I've never been to prison, but it's, it's clear as day. It's a tactic to get out of that whole situation, figure out a different way. Like just the following day, like I said, released footage, King Von beating the shit out of somebody. We've known King Von's been the type to get it on site and, uh, you know, box fight. I mean, that's the way he literally died, just fighting on site with no guns in hand. So um, it the weird part about this is, is the fact that this guy's passed away a long time ago. I'm surprised this footage didn't come out when he was alive because, you know, like that would have made more sense. A lot of this police cam footage, like body cam footage comes out publicly immediately, like after a week of it being recorded. So this has been out there. It's just nobody really surfaced it up or looked up for it or, you know, tried to figure out where. So you can search police database and eventually find these videos. But it's hard to do it because this was in 2017. That's a long time ago, man. Time has flown since then. So, um, yeah, this is right before King Von really blew up like that, before the crazy story, before all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, people are clowning him, all kinds of stuff, saying, you know, some people are giving him props, being like, yo, I could never do that, you know, if I was in prison. But, you know, I listen, if I'm in a gang, I go to prison And I see a bunch of my ops in the room that I'm about to be headed to. That is basically a death sentence. So I'm pretending to be gay. I'm pretending to get any type of protective custody I can get, man. Because I ain't fucking dying in here. That's one thing. You know, so I don't really blame King Von for this. But anybody that's clowning him or talking shit, you guys have no idea about anything you guys are speaking about most of the time. It's usually some person from suburbs who's never dealt with anything relating to street stuff. So. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Jay-Z, man, congratulations to Jay-Z. Uh, He's got that whole uh museum that opened up, which was crazy, you know, about his whole, like, career for the hip-hop 50-year, like, celebration. And uh, Jay-Z's Sean Carter Foundation has accomplished something crazy. So let's go over the article. Jay-Z's Sean Carter Foundation has accomplished an amazing feat by raising $20 million to help college students looking to pursue higher education. On Friday, July 14th, Ho's Foundation hosted a Black Tie Gala in New York City to celebrate its 20-year anniversary, where it raised money to assist those facing socioeconomic hardships realize their education ambitions. Uh, There were numerous donations given, including $10 million from Amazon chairman Jeff Bezos and his fiancee Lauren Sanchez, which will allow the foundation to build out their international uh, exchange program, scholarships, community goodwill, and emergency assistance programs. Twitter founder Jack Dorsey also donated $2 million to the foundation as part of his annual contribution. A bevy of celebrities attended the event, including Jay-Z, Beyonce, DJ Cal, Uzi Vert, Meek Mill, to name a few. So the Sean Carter Foundation was founded in 2003 by Jay-Z and his mother, Gloria Carter, and has provided students with college scholarships and tours to historically black colleges and universities. Uh, study aboard opportunities, wealth building programs, and more for underserved youth and families from disenfranchised communities. That is very dope, man. Congratulations to Jay-Z, man. Very, very dope. 20 million. That's no fucking joke, man. Shout out to Jay-Z. Appreciate you for that, Hove, Hove. Uh-huh. uh And another thing happened. Jay-Z becomes the first... Makes history by becoming the first black male artist to reach multi-platinum milestone. So what does this mean? Let's go over. Jay-Z continues to write his name in the history books by becoming the first black male artist to reach major multi-platinum milestone. The billionaire rap mogul now has 10 multi-platinum solo albums to his name after 2003's Black Album 2009's Blueprint 3 were recently quadruple and double platinum respectively by the RIAA. Ova is just the second black artist to achieve this feat following Mariah Carey, who currently has 11 solo albums with over 2 million copies sold each. In total, Jay-Z has 12 multi-platinum albums, including 10 solo projects and two collaborative LPs, Watch Throne with Kanye and Collision Course EP with Linkin Park. The Rock Nation boss also leads all rappers when it comes to chart dominance, having topped the Billboard 200 an impressive 11 times in his decorated career. That record may not stand for much longer, though, as the ever-prolific Drake tails closely behind with 12. So, uh, yeah. Shout out to Jay-Z. Let's see. So, yeah, the Black Album went uh, quadruple platinum, and Blueprint 3 went double platinum. So, this, you know, the RIAA really goes down to updating, you know, their certificates, because... A lot of artists don't get their certificates updated. So it's good that Jay-Z is getting his, getting his constantly updated. Uh, and don't get this confused. You know, uh, it's very clear that Eminem's gotten this already, but this is about black. We're not, Eminem is white as it gets. So that's the different things. I know somebody's on comments. I'm like, ah, oh, Eminem already did this. Eminem ain't black, man. So just get that shit out the way, man. I'm talking like Chris Tucker whenever I to talk like that. But shout out to Jay-Z, man. Another accomplished, uh, amazing accomplishment. And, you know, a lot of people think I hate on Jay-Z or I'm this and that and I, you know, shit on him. I don't, you know, like I said, man, he deserves some of the biggest praise ever in hip hop, longevity, consistency. Just look at this, you know, double platinum, triple platinum, whatever the case may be. Um, I just, you know, I point out the obvious. That's all it is. So uh, I do think he gets over praised for a lot of things. You know, but that's a whole different story. I do think he deserves praise, but a lot of it's kind of overhyped from some things. You know, this deserves huge praise. This is a huge milestone feat. The donation, $20 million, deserves huge praise. But some other things, it's like, eh, you guys are kind of overdoing it at this point. So, uh, but that's, you know, Jay Z's hip hop's media sweetheart. So, of course, he's going to get all the praise and love. He deserves it, but not to the extent that, like, they're going fucking overboard. But yeah, let me not get into that because I can go to a whole rant with that. As the days go on, we get more updates in this crazy YNW Melly double murder trial. And now they got more confession text messages that prosecutors revealed. And now the defense for YNW Melly is defending a kind of weird type of defense. They're saying that that's not the way YNW Melly types in his messages. So it's not him that sent that. So let's go over the article and see exactly what's going on. Y&W Mellie was confronted with a key piece of evidence that was mentioned early in the double murder trial, but the 24 year old's defense team has denied their client's ties to it. On Monday, July 17th, Long Crime Network executive producer Kathy Rusin shared text messages allegedly sent by Mellie in which he admitted to the charges brought against him. In a Twitter post, she uploaded an image of the exchange and explained that it was presented to the court as a confession. She wrote, on the final day of the state's case, they finally introduced, I did that, sh. text they told the jury about in their opening statement. Prosecutors say this is YMW Melly's confessions to the killings. However, the defense team says this, in explaining the defense, Russin added, that versus that. Now, you know, you're probably like, what the hell are you talking about? On cross-exam, the defense shows many texts where YNW Melly spells the word that as that. So there's two ways to spell, you know, if you're speaking slang, you can spell that properly as T-H-A-T, or you can spell it, you know, improperly as D-A-T. And they're making uh, the defense that, defense is insinuating that whoever typed that T-H-A-T wasn't their client because that's not how YNW Melly types that. He spells it as D-A-T. So that, that, that. You know, it's harder to kind of, when you're saying it, it doesn't really make sense. But when you actually word it out, explain it, it makes sense. So following a brief hiatus, the legal proceedings returned last week in Broward County. So last week, uh, the defense objected to disparting text messages between their client and his mother being read aloud on court. On Wednesday, July 12th, David Howard made the case before John Judge John Murphy. There are a number of mothers on the jury who may be inclined to convict just because they have heard Irrelevant, unrelated conversations between Mr. Demons, A.K.A. YNW Melly, and his mother. He said he is calling her the B word in all sorts of manner of disrespect that is clearly off-putting to anyone. He continued, and under the pretext that the state of Florida is trying to prove that the phone belongs to Mr. Demons, the state in is introducing reams and reams and tons and tons of inadmissible evidence. Prior to that, uh, he testified. You know, he that YNW Melly changed clothes. We talked about that, but. They also pointed out like what I just read is basically that YMW Melly was uh, sending disrespectful text messages to his own mother saying that that's how crazy this guy is that, you know, he's capable of of doing a double murder because, you know, uh, you know, he just spoke disrespectfully to his mother, calling her the B word, so on and so forth. And most people with, you know, that don't kill people, let's just say that don't disrespect their mothers. You know, I don't know anybody that like loves their mother and then, Ends off killing people. There are cases like that. Don't get me wrong. So that's not really proof that somebody actually murdered somebody, but uh, it's interesting nonetheless. So we'll keep our eye out and see what the defense team has as a defense for YNW Melly. So far, their number one defense is that YNW Melly does not type in these, you know, the way that these text messages are being presented. He types, you know, DAT, that instead of THAT, that. So updates on this YNW Melly trial, once again, is that the lead detective, admits to intimidating witnesses yes that is crazy this this trial is has been all kinds of twists and turns insane so let's go over the article YNW Melly's murder trials continue to reveal some stunning bombshells and the latest involves the leading detective who has admitted to intimidating witnesses allegedly involved in the murder of YNW Juby and YNW Sack Chaser on Tuesday July 18th lead detective Joseph T. Moretti took to the stand and confirmed that he threatened YNW Millie's manager, Jameson Ahanke-Track Franchios, with deportation and imprisonment following the shooting. Did you, as a trained investigator, threaten Jameson Francisco's to be deported to Haiti, even though he's been in this country since five years? The defense attorney asked Detective Moretti during cross-examination. He said, yes, sir. After which he then asked, did you, in fact, threaten that he would not get fed or any medicine in the Haitian jails. I don't know about that conversation, sir, I'm already replied. So that's the latest update for the YMW Melly. I know uh, there's been like pieces and pieces of updates, but a lot of the stuff is getting interesting. They're starting to reveal like, you know, that the prosecution has like holes in what they've been saying. And, you know, and that's that's what the defense is supposed to do. They're supposed to, the prosecutors are supposed to make them seem like they're liars. They don't know what they're talking about. So defense is doing their job. I just don't know how the jury is going to look into it. That's all that really boils down to. Is, does the jury feel like the defense team is doing a proper job and proving that YNW Million really had nothing to do with this? So we'll keep our eye on this. Like I said, more and more updates daily. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep our eye on. You want to know something crazier than NBA Young Boy himself? NBA Young Boy's kid mixed with Floyd Mayweather's athletic abilities. Imagine that kid when he grows up. What he's going to turn into. You got this maniac NBA young boy that's willing to literally kill anybody at any split second with a temper that is out of this world. And then you got this prime elite athlete that is top of the line. Arguably one of the best in the history of sports. And they are together. Not them together, obviously. NBA young boy was with uh, Floyd Mayweather's daughter. They had a kid. That baby's the little son. And boom. Boom. That kid's going to be something special, but NBA Youngboy and Floyd Mayweather do not have a great relationship, so NBA Youngboy doesn't want his son to end up like Floyd Mayweather, which is a crazy thing to say. You know Why wouldn't you want your son to be one of the greatest athletes of all time? But let's get into what NBA Youngboy wants for his own son. The article says NBA Youngboy has said that he doesn't want his son to follow in the same footsteps of his grandfather, Floyd Mayweather, and said instead of boxing, he hopes This kid will become a UFC fighter, which is the possibilities for that are like limitless. I can see that 100% as well. Uh, In the leaked clip shared by the Neighborhood Talk, the interviewer, who sounds a lot like academics, asks young boy if he wants his son to grow up to be a famous boxer, just like his granddaddy. So let me play the clip. So you saw your son control dream with um, Mayweather boxing? Change the subject, gangster. I feel you, man. He's going, he, he, he going, he going to be a UFC fighter. The UFC fighter? I feel you. So a UFC fighter is a hell of a fighter. If you look at videos of this little kid, this kid is already getting trained to be an insane boxer. I mean, Floyd's with him damn near every day. He loves the kid, and the kid is so excited. You can see him in the ring. He jumps up and down and starts punching the air. Like, this kid is going to be bred to be probably one of the best sports boxers or ufc fighters of all time man. i can just see it the combo between them two is just a deadly ass combo man i'm excited for the future of that man i'm gonna be like probably 50 years old rooting for you know that grown man at the time to to be winning because that will be interesting as hell what do you guys think man should the kid go for boxing or ufc fighting i know he's only like what two years old if that Um, it's crazy that everybody has this pressure on him already you know, because he, you know, he wasn't born into this, you know, it just is what it is. He wasn't like, he didn't choose this life, but um, we'll see. I mean, maybe he doesn't like it. Maybe it's not his passion. Maybe he goes on and does something else. Maybe he doesn't do music or boxing, you know, or he might become a rapper, you know, that could be another route, you know, because he's got NBA young boy, he's got the genes of music in him as well. So that's a huge possibility. What if he just dominates music and sports? Like he does both at the same time, like in his off time, he starts making albums and they go fucking, double triple platinum like nba Youngboy does and and while he's training he just dominates in that so that would be crazy man uh i think he should do boxing because obviously floyd mayweather is a boxer i think that training would go a lot better i think right now nba Youngboy is saying this but you know once their relationship gets repaired which i i think in due time it will uh, i wouldn't make sense for them to hate each other this whole time floyd is happy though floyd like if you asked floyd he said I remember him saying this in an article. He said, I'm proud of NBA Youngboy, a very, very talented young kid, one of the biggest artists as far as music. He's got a cult-like following. I look at him just like one of my sons. I only want the best for him. So Floyd has never really spoke out uh, anything negative. Uh, NBA Youngboy has has said some pretty negative shit. Uh, he continued and said, I feel like NBA Youngboy went away for a while. I like to say he went to college for a little bit. He's back, and I'm proud of him. I'm proud of my daughter. I only want the best for NBA Youngboy. I'm going to continue to push him and push her for both of them to be great. So I can see the relationship being mended. I mean, Floyd had an issue with his own father at one point as well. So, you know, and that got repaired and fixed. So uh, we'll keep our eye on this kid, man. Uh, it's going to be about 20 years till I give you guys an update. But hey, you know, future UFC, future boxing, maybe future rapper. Who knows, man? Uh, this kid's got a hell of talent. And he's got hella energy and anger in it, man. Just look at these videos. It's just crazy. Just going crazy in these videos. So shout out to him. Is this the work of the evil mastermind Drake himself? Or is this just a crazy Drake stan putting in the work for Drake? Now, Pusha T is being bombarded on Twitter with a bunch of hate out of nowhere. I mean, he's getting quoted from old interviews getting quoted on features that people have posted from Pusha T, and they're all calling it trash, garbage, and it's out of nowhere, randomly on social media, mainly on Twitter, and that prompted everyone to ask the question, what is going on? Why all of a sudden is Pusha T getting attacked randomly? Well, if you don't know on Twitter, you can kind of purchase bots to kind of maneuver or sway the opinion of people. It's nothing that's really that hard to do. It's it's quite frankly scary because it can sway the opinion of a lot of people thinking that this is actually what people think, when in reality, that's not what they think. It can happen in politics, it's happened, it can happen in music, lots of different things. That's why I always say reality is the best fact checker. Go to the concerts, see are people actually pulling up. Look at the numbers in terms of album sales, not just streams, because streams can be manipulated in their own way, which is damn near a sucky part about what's going on in today's music industry. But let me go over the article. It's kind of interesting of what's going on. Pusha T and Drake certainly have no love for one another so much so, in fact, that a recent Twitter bot Farm Attack against the Clips rapper has left Drizzy shouldering the blame. So a lot of people are saying Drake is behind this. It could be a fan, though. I'm not going to put this 100% blame on Drake. Could be a huge Drake stand that just decided to put up money to get all these bots to come out. And I don't know if it costs a lot of money. If anybody knows the price of them, leave a comment below or something because I don't know how much that would cost. Uh, In a series of tweets fired off on Sunday, July 16th, Pusha T has been accused of everything from lying about pushing Yay to having uh, flow as dry as the Sahara Desert to loving the smell of kids' bicycle seats. That's insane. The tweets, which were mostly quote tweets and a post made by Rap TV, all mention the Virginian native in a disparaging way, even though the post in question is about Yeet and Lil Uzi Vert's song, which recently went certified gold. So think about that. There's a bunch of hate on Pusha T on a tweet that has nothing to do with Pusha T. So clearly they are bots just off that alone. So um, it didn't take long for fans to speculate that no other than the Six God might be behind the cyber attack check out the stream of Twitter bots insults along with fan reactions and speculations of the perpetrator of the attack below. So a lot of people are accusing Drake of this. Obviously Um, he is on tour right now, so it's kind of a good time to do it. You know, if you're like, Oh shit, let me see if I can get away with this. I'm on tour. So people won't think I'm online, but it could be, you know, like I said, a fan, you know, it could be Drake's team just doing some shit without Drake's call. You know, sometimes that happens, but let me know what you guys think. Do you guys think it's Drake? Do you guys think it's a craze fan? Do you guys think it's real? Do you guys think it's fake? It's To me, it's obviously fake. If it's getting quoted on a tweet that has nothing to do with Pusha T and it's straight Pusha T slander, something's going on where it's a bot or something like that. And that's the scary thing about today's time. Don't go off of solely what social media says because there are a lot of bots in a lot of different conversations, not just music. At least music is harmless. You know, unless it's something really serious that gets involved, where people are pushing narratives of like people getting killed or something like that, then it can be harmless. But this is just music debate, so it's not that harmful. Uh, in terms of other ways, like politics, uh, swaying the you know decision of voting, all that stuff, it's happened. There's insane bots that pop out when something gets posted. There's bots that come out and say, "No, this is not the case. This is false." When in reality, they're just all bots, and you know, regular people actually argue with these bots. So it's a scary time to be on social media. And a lot of things are going to get manipulated and skewed as time goes on because technology is going to get better. AI is going to get there and it's going to get, we're going to get like face, deep fakes with faces, voices that don't, aren't from the original people. So it's going to get really scary as time goes on. It's going to get worse and worse as time goes on. Hopefully there's, there's ways to detect that. Hopefully these social media outlets point out, you know, ways to detect this or ban these type of bots, find out ways to maneuver through them. So Uh, we'll keep our eye out and see if Pusha T responds to this or if Drake, you know, comes out and says, Hey, this wasn't me. I don't know what the hell's going on. So, cause Drake gets a lot of blame for a lot of stuff, which, you know, some of it's warranted. Some of it, you know, if you can't prove it's him, there's no way that, you know, we should accuse that he's the one that's doing it. So we'll keep our eye out. And this is the never ending saga of Pusha T versus Drake. Billboard Hot 100. I know I didn't do the new music and album sales last, last episode. I totally forgot. It just slipped my mind, but We'll continue it on Billboard Hot 100. I know Nas is dropping Magic 2 featuring 50 Cent, uh, you know, on his album, and so I might do a live stream Thursday night. So by the time you guys hear this episode, it'll probably be uh, live stream. I might do it. I'm really busy right now with these documentaries. I'm trying to get finally started and going. So uh, maybe we'll see how I'm doing Thursday night, and if I, you know, have the time to do it. So let's go over the Billboard Hot 100. Morgan Wallen is back at number one with Last Night. Um, yeah, this song is just back dominating. You know, uh, you had Olivia Rodrigo take it down for a week, but that dropped down to number three. So Luke Combs with Fast Car, number two. Olivia Rodrigo Vampire, number three. Calm Down, Rima Selena Gomez, number four. I Can See You, Taylor's version, number five, debut. Flowers, Miley Cyrus, number six. Fuck You Mean, Gunna, number seven. That's Gunna's record's climbing up. All My Life, Lil Durk, number eight. Cruel Summer, Taylor Swift, number nine. And Karma, Taylor Swift, number ten. Uh 2 scissor tracks Kill Bill and Snooze number 11 and number 12. Uh Favorite Song 2C number 13, creeping Metro Boomin number 14. Uh going down here a lot of Taylor Swift songs. She drops her version of her album, so lots of Taylor Swift songs. Yeah, lots of Taylor Swift songs. Damn, she's she's basically got the whole fucking charts here. Uh Search and Rescue Drake number 43. Barbie World, Nicki Minaj, Ice Spice with Aqua, number 49. Lotto, Cardi B, Put It On The Floor, again, number 54. Chemical Post Malone, number 55. Flooded the Face, Lil Uzivert, number 60. Princess Diana, Ice Spice, Nicki Minaj, number 64. Peaches and Eggplants, Young Nudie, 21 Savage, number 70. Stand By Me, Lil Durk Morgan Wallen, 71. Lil Uzi Nicki Minaj, Endless Fashion, number 76. Young Thug, Drake, oh, OU Went, number 78. That's probably going to go up because they just dropped a music video for that. So, I'm expecting that to go up next week. Uh, Fendi, The Rapper with Cardi B, Point Me To, number 82 debut. Uh, the Baby Shake Something, re-entry at number 86, probably because of that remix they dropped. So, that's cool. Um Yeah. See you again, Tyler, the creator, number 97. Pound Town 2 with Sexy Red, Tay Keith, and Nicki Minaj, number 96. Fight the Feeling, Rod Wave, number 98. Yeah, so that's the Billboard Hot 100. And that's it for today's episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. Stream us, Spotify, Deezer, Pocket Cast, all that. I appreciate you guys. Those on Patreon, hope you guys enjoyed the Give It Your Die, Try and Uncut documentary, as well as the people that won The contest, uh, everybody has responded besides one person. So waiting on that person, they got a whole week to respond. So if they don't respond within that week, they do lose out on their prize. But everybody has responded so far. Only one person hasn't. So we'll keep our update on that and see if that person responds. I hope they do because they're going to be missing out on a huge gift. So I don't know why that happens. You know, a lot of people on Patreon, they're donating money. So it's like, I would assume they'd be active on there. At least know if, you know, they're going to get messaged or anything like that. So. Uh, kind of crazy, but yeah. So stream us all that. Appreciate you Have an amazing night, day, whenever you listen to this. And peace.